It's just good to see all of you. It's good to be with you. Uh, if you're new, if you're joining for the very first time, my name's David. I'm the lead pastor here at Frontline and so excited for what God has for us today in the series that we're in right now. It's called Kingdom Culture. So to get us into it, I need to tell you this. Uh, if I want to tell you something about me, it is this. I love me some Chinese buffet. Is there anybody else in the house that can relate to that? I got hungry. Wow. Okay. All right. The Holy Spirit's in the room. Excited for moving through Chinese buffet even. Uh, I had so much fun looking for pictures of Chinese buffet. I mean, it made me hungry just looking through them. This was the most delicious looking one. I think this is some sort of orange chicken or pepper chicken or whatever it is right in the front. That's my jam. I love a solid Chinese buffet. I like going to a lot of them. I'm well acquainted with all of them here in Grand Rapids. Uh, I frequent them more often than I'm willing to admit to you, especially on record or when this is being recorded. Uh, but I found this hole in the wall place not too long ago, Chinese buffet, and I went to it and it was fantastic. So I'm not a details guy. That's another thing you should know about me. I don't pick up on a lot of little stuff. Uh, so I married someone that does and she notices everything. So I, I found this hole in the wall place. I walked in. I should have realized I was the only one there, but I didn't. I was like, this is like very personal service. So they were like, hey, here's the food. You know, it's out here, but like, do you want anything specific? I said, orange chicken for sure. So they started a fresh new batch. They brought it out. I mean, I was eating it. I was by myself because Shannon was working. So I mean, this, it was just stellar, man. I mean, the service was great. The food was great. They even gave me a box to take it home and they only charged me the buffet price. I was like, this is awesome. So I said to Shannon, you need to come with me. Like, you need to come check out this place. It's awesome. It's like right across the street from where we live. So she goes, okay, but she's skeptical because she notices details, right? Any of you that like, I notice things that are different than my spouse or significant other or family members. Uh, so Shannon is always skeptical of these things because she knows. Big picture, David, not small picture. So she walked in, we sat down, and yet again, we were the only ones in the place. We sat down at the table. They brought out this giant thing of orange chicken because I asked for it again. And, and I was like, all right, Shan, we can get up. We can go to the table. And she goes, did you notice uh, the ceiling tiles? I was like, no. I, I came in and looked down. I was looking at the food. I did not look up. And here's what I had overlooked or not saw. Uh, that whole buffet line table, if you look at the ceiling tiles above, they were a different color than every other ceiling tile in the room. The rest of them were white. Those were black. Uh, because of the black mold that happened to be over all of it. And so Shannon looks at me and she goes, I'm not very hungry. <laughs> and I said, well, I am. And they still brought the food. I still ate it. And I'm, I'm not even going to lie to you right now. I went back afterwards. I just didn't tell her and I didn't bring her. So best kept secret in the house. We don't always pay attention to the stuff that's right in front of us. Isn't that true? But, but here's a question I want to ask you. What do you feast on? Like, what, what do you love? What do you look forward to? What do you love consuming? What do you go back? Like, on a buffet, I show up, I have one mission. It is for them to lose money on me eating there that day. I eat so much. I eat ice cream at the end just to fill in every little crack that exists inside of me. Like, I, I own it. What do you do that with in your life? I mean, if you look at this table, right, all the goodies, you got Twizzlers up here, you got something called ice plus caffeine, you got candy and McDonald's and chips and pop and whatever. A lot of this is kind of like junky type stuff, junky type food, but a lot of it's really good, isn't it? 
I mean, if we're just being honest, a lot of this tastes delicious. I've been staring at these chocolate chip cookies all morning. They look delicious. A lot of us, we love food like this, but this is a metaphor, right? There's a couple metaphors that are going to be at play today. This is a metaphor for other things that we love to fill ourselves with in our lives. Some of us, that's relationships, just other people. We derive something from people or from relationships, and it's almost like we can't get enough of it. Uh, because we need something that we're after. For others of us, maybe it's, uh, it's work, productivity, climbing the corporate ladder. Some of us, it's money or wealth or possessions or the next thing on Amazon with one-day shipping. I mean, there's so many different things, different types of things that we fill our appetites with all the time, and a lot of us aren't totally aware of it. So here's the thing that I would tell you, right? A lot of the stuff that I listed, you know, some of this is bad, but like in moderation, it's fine. But I think some of the stuff that we consume to such a high degree, or if we're really honest, consumes us, uh, a lot of times it's harmless, but sometimes it really affects ourselves or our relationships or our bodies, or if we're really honest, sometimes our souls. Jesus was a master communicator. And one thing I really love about him, there's so many I could choose from, but I I love that so many of his passages and teachings and parables, which is what we're going to talk about today, actually revolve around food. I can relate to that. It's easy to relate to that. Jesus was with his disciples. It was a Sabbath day, and Jesus was invited to engage in a Sabbath meal with a bunch of Pharisees who were the religious elite and leaders in in the church, basically. And so it would have looked something like this, this long kind of banquet table. It always would have been on the ground. They didn't have tabletops like we have today. I mean, this is how they still do it in the Middle East. They lay down rugs and ornate rugs and food, and it's very family, community communal style. So Jesus is there, and there's a really special guest that is joining them as well, but he happens to be an extraordinarily sick man. So I'm not going to put this on the screen yet, because I want you to just visualize what it must have been like to be there. So here's what it says. This is Luke 14, 1 to 4. It says, one Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. Pay attention to that. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Verse 3, Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? You see, Jesus knew this was a test. The Pharisees had invited Jesus to partake in this banquet table because they wanted to catch him in the act of breaking their law which was you can't work on the Sabbath. The whole purpose of Sabbath was enjoying the relationship you have with God. And you enjoy creation. It's just like in in the creation story. You know, God worked, God created for the first six days, and on the seventh day, God rested, and he invited his people to do the same thing, so it's called the Sabbath. So Jesus, knowing this is a test, knowing this is a setup, these Pharisees and religious people brought this extremely sick man to sit at the table to tempt Jesus to break the law by healing him. And Jesus knows, Jesus feels it, Jesus calls it out right in front of him, and he says this, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, or isn't it? Most of us probably haven't healed on the Sabbath, or ever. Jesus knew that. This is where he's going. 
Jesus is about to question their entire motive for not just bringing Jesus, but also this man. So here's what it says here, verse 4, but they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him, and he sent him on his way. So here's a man that's suffering so significantly. His face is just engorged. The medical term we would use is edema. He's got swelling everywhere. It's in his face. It's in his body. He's extraordinarily uncomfortable. He's suffering, and he's probably been suffering for a long time. There's no treatment that has worked for him, no medication that's bringing relief. And so the Sabbath day, when many of these religious leaders and Pharisees are, are making it all about the show, right? It's the show. We have a relationship with God, and, and it's why we're so obedient. It's why everything we do points to our creator. But then, then they bring a man who is suffering who can't enjoy the Sabbath, who's miserable and hurting and broken, and they bring him not to, to enjoy his company, but to use him as a pawn against Jesus. And Jesus is there, and he's watching the entire thing play out, and Jesus looks at the man, and he puts his hands on him, and he heals him right in front of everybody. I mean, can you imagine seeing the, the swelling disappear, the sickness go away, the attitude, the posture, the smile that emerges when the suffering is lifted from him, and then he sends him away. There's one guy at this feast. Well, there's always one guy in every group, isn't there? The one guy speaks up, and he, he says this. I think it's so funny. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. You know, I call him a brown noser. It's like, okay, you're sucking up to Jesus at this point. Jesus is looking at this banquet and this feast, and he just healed this man. And one guy goes, blessed is the one who doesn't eat at this feast, but who eats in the feast of the kingdom of God. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus responds to him with a story. And he tells a parable, and it goes like this. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field, and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. <laughs> that one just makes me laugh. <laughs> You're not that busy. Jesus is looking at all of these religious leaders, all of the religious elite and the Pharisees, and he tells the story, and these are the excuses. And this is when I would come up and I would tell you, here's the context, right? So the, the guy that has to look at the field, here's why he would have to go look at the field, and then the five yoke of oxen, and then the marriage, there'd be a marriage ceremony. These are awful excuses. As bad as they sound to you, they sounded worse to the audience that heard them. This is like the equivalent of my dog ate my homework, which I said first service, that rarely happens. And somebody came up after and showed me their journal that their dog had ripped to shreds. Rarely, okay? You with me? These excuses stink. They're awful. And the owner of this banquet thrower, the, the, the person that's throwing the banquet gets upset 
at these excuses, but it highlights something in the people, what they're really after or what they're really consumed with and why they won't show up to this banquet. Because they would have known for a long time that this banquet was coming, months and months in advance. Here is the context for you. Everybody that got an invitation would have known for months. And the actual time of the banquet would be shared with them that day, but it was supposed to be this big ordeal. Like, you carve out the time, do everything else you have to do so that when you show up, you can celebrate, you can engage in the banquet, you can get all that it was designed to provide, and all of these people backed out. So why? Here's some of the stuff that they were consumed with. The first one was obsessed with property, with wealth, and with possessions. He goes, I just bought a field, man. I can't wait to go see it. I want to look at it. I want to walk the property. I want to dream. I just, he's consumed with the idea of property, wealth, and possessions. The second one who says, I have to go look at these five yoke of oxen that I just bought. He's preoccupied with work, with productivity, with wealth, with competing, and winning, with business and career. And the third one is consumed with relationships. Physical desires, sex, marriage, catch this. These aren't inherently bad things, but it demonstrates very misplaced priorities. What they were really trying to say to the host of this banquet is not, I have so much going on and there's lots of surprises and some crisis hit in my life and so I really need to engage it. What they're really saying is, I'm not hungry. I don't need your banquet. It doesn't do anything for me right now. If I said it differently, I'd put quotes in it. I would say it like this. I'm full. I'm full. There's so many other things that I've engorged myself with that your banquet has no allure or appeal to me at all. Jesus is telling this story. Remember, this is a metaphor. So here's what happens, right, with the owner of the banquet if we keep reading, the servant came back and he reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and he ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Of course he's angry. Caterers already there. Food has already been bought. Decorations are already set up. Musicians are already tuning their instruments. Like this thing is ready. It is set. They had months to say, we're not coming. Everything is good to go. And the banquet host is so excited to share what he has put on with his people. And the people that were invited don't just say no to the banquet. They say no to him. Now, Jesus is telling the Pharisees, we're all sitting at this table. And now, who do you think he thinks of? When, or who do you think all of them think of when Jesus says, and go invite the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame? Who do you think is on their mind? The man with abnormal swelling, with a face so inflamed, miserable, painful, they're all thinking about him because he was there less than five minutes earlier. It's as if Jesus was going, do you get it? We're all sitting at a feast and you say, blessed is the one who eats at the feast of the kingdom of God. But it seems like of that entire table, there was only one that was actually hungry. The passage continues, it ends like this. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. 
Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. Why is the host of the banquet so adamant that this group gets invited? I sat with that all week trying to figure out, like, what, what is it about that group? And here's the conclusion that I came to. I think he wanted that group to show up because that group was hungry. That group was starving. He says, go out, go out to, the, to the far outskirts of the city, the outskirts of the neighborhoods, the outskirts of society, the outskirts of friend groups. Go find the lonely people. Go, go find the people that are struggling. Go find the people that are sick. Go find the people that are homeless. Go find the people that are so lost and hurting and broken and waiting for anything to come their way. Go ask them because when they come to my banquet, they're going to be stoked. They're going to show up hungry and excited and grateful, starving for what the host of the banquet has prepared. Jesus is telling this, and remember, it's a parable. Jesus is looking at this group of Pharisees going, are you even hungry? Blessed is the one who eats at the kingdom of God. That feast that's been prepared, blessed is he. And Jesus is going... I don't think any of you want to eat there. My kids do this funny thing right now. I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old. I love talking about them just because they're goofballs, but they sometimes God pulls the, the curtain back. You know what I mean? And it's like he, he shows you something about yourself that you see in your children. So my, my kids do this thing right now um, because they're boys and because they're my boys, they eat all the time. They're hungry, and Jordy is my one-and-a-half-year-old. He, he obviously can't talk, but, like, he just gets hangry. And I'm like, I can relate, right? Chinese buffet. You and me, when we're older, we got it locked down. So he's hungry, and Judah has figured it out. Judah will go over to the cupboard. We have this little lock on it. He figured out he'll move a stool over, climb the stool, open it up. He'll eat it, and then so overcome with a guilty conscience, he'll come and confess the wrapper later. And be like, I ate the granola bar. It's like, I'm pretty sure there's a lot more missing than one. Where are the rest? of them. They eat all the time, all day. Jordy can't talk, so he's just like a squawking velociraptor all around our house, just hungry over and over. And they don't just eat junk. I mean, given the option, right, there's some of this stuff in our cupboard. They'll start with it, or they'll ask, or they'll grab, or whatever. Some of it's out of their reach. They'll eat anything because of how hungry they are all the time. So here's the problem. Uh, I get home, Shannon's an awesome cook. I mean, she, she can make some stellar meals. She'll make them, she'll prepare, she'll make people's favorite stuff, right? Mine or Jordy's or Judah's. She'll make our favorite stuff and she'll sit it down. And so much of the time they sit down and they're not hungry. Have you experienced this? You know what I'm talking about? They're not hungry, even though it's their favorite, even though they need it. Even though it's been prepared just the way that they like it, they're not hungry because they've been snacking all day long. Here's the metaphor, okay? Can I tell you this? It's no wonder why we as a church or as an American church are a people that is often not hungry for the things of God or the things of this kingdom because we are full from other stuff. We have stuffed ourselves so engorged full of entertainment, Information, productivity, side hustles, business ideas, or 
self-promotion, building a platform, retirement, or the American dream. We have stuffed ourselves full of anything we want. And we can get it like that. We're extraordinarily wealthy community, country, society, even if you look at just history. We're of the wealthiest that has ever lived. And it's no wonder that so many of us show up to church or to Bible study, small group, sit down with our Bibles or we engage with prayer and we go, it just doesn't do anything for me. It's because we're a people that has been stuffed with lesser things. Jesus tells the parable not just for those that are sitting at the table. He tells it for us. Now, if you feel like I'm coming at you, I'm not, okay? I'm not preaching at you this morning. In fact, I'm mostly just preaching to myself. I mean, it's so easy to just chase a variety of other things in my life that make me feel solid or secure or content or comfortable. And as I was sitting in here last night just praying, praying over this message, praying for a lot of you, I, I started praying for myself. And, and I wrote this down. I wanted to share it with you. Um, the most dangerous table to sit at is the one that's full without Jesus. And I started thinking about my life and going, the, the things that drive me or the things that I feel like I need, the things that I'm desperate for include things like when the bank account is full, whatever that number is that I need to feel secure, when I hit that number or when work is easy or when my family gets along, not just immediate, but the extended and the drama and the chaos and the hurt and the brokenness, when, that, when that's healthy, when, when my body's healthy, when, when, when the people around me, those that are closest to me, when they're healthy, when, when friends are close, it's like when, the, when those areas of my life are full, when those buckets are, are filled up to the brim, when I'm totally secure and I need nothing, it is as if I'm sitting down at a table that is chuck full of everything I want, everything I've worked for, everything I think I need. I sit down and then I go, oh, wait, where's Jesus? It is the most dangerous table for every single one of us is to be totally full, totally content, and lacking Jesus. And, you know, if we're totally honest, it is the aim and drive of most of our lives. How do I get to the place where I don't need you, Jesus? Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, and he said, give us today our daily bread. The idea of our entire society is give me everything I need for my entire life now. Don't make me wait. Don't make me struggle. Don't make me suffer. Just now. We're a people that walks around engorged with the self or with stuff or with things that do not satisfy. We settle for a short-term win at the long-term expense of our souls. And Jesus looks at his disciples, looks at the Pharisees, looks at the religious elite, and he looks at us and he says, I have something that can truly satisfy you. Do you want it? Are you hungry? Revelation 3.17, it says this. You say I'm rich. 
I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. It's a gut punch of a passage, right? This was, this is Jesus talking in these words. And he's looking at a people and at a group of people that say, I don't need you. I'm full. I'm content. I'm fine. I, I got everything that I need. And Jesus looks back at them saying, but you don't even realize how you actually are. You're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. Some of these exact same words are the same words that Jesus used when he told this parable to the religious elite sitting at the banquet table. Jesus is going, I, I'm going after you because I know how hungry you are, because I know how desperate you are. I know how badly you need me, but you don't. And it's how they can sit at the same table with Jesus and not even recognize who he actually is. Do we ever fall into the exact same trap? I wrote it this way. The religious leaders did not want what Jesus was offering because their table was already full. So here's a question I have for all of us. What table are you sitting at? What table are you sitting at right now? Or as you walked in today, what, what is the table that you have stuffed yourself with? Engorged yourself, built, fastened, fashioned, whatever it is, put it exactly the way you like it. What is the table that you are sitting at? Maybe you are feasting on right now. It's relationships and sex. That you are so devoted and desiring to looking for intimacy in your life. That's what you need. And you feast on it wherever you go. Maybe for you it's work and productivity. And the thing that you're looking for and longing for is actually purpose and significant. And everywhere you have the opportunity to derive that, you just consume it. Maybe for some of you it's wealth in the American dream. What you're actually after is luxury and independence. Maybe for some of you the table you're sitting at and feasting at is entertainment. And it's no longer become about what it can do for you. It's about what you can escape from. Maybe it's Netflix or Amazon Prime or YouTube or TV. Maybe some of you, it's just stuff. You're looking for a dopamine rush on whatever that next purchase is that'll show up right at your doorstep the next day or two days later. The last one, maybe it's alcohol. You're just looking to numb the pain of your reality. We are a people that tends to be disinterested in a heavenly banquet because we're full of the stuff we've provided for on our own. So what's the table that you're sitting at? What is it full of? If I could boil this whole message down to one line, I would say it this way. To partake in Jesus' table requires us to leave our own. So many of us approach God or we approach Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We, we approach a relationship with him like this. I have set my table and Jesus, you fit right here. Have a seat. But if you don't come, it's okay. I still have plenty. 
Jesus' invitation was totally different. It's why it rubbed the Pharisees and the religious leaders the wrong way because he basically was saying, your table stinks. It's not going to satisfy anything. It's not taking you anywhere you want to go. It's not satisfying the deepest hunger and desire that you have in the most deep place of your soul. It is not satisfying. Come to my table. Come and feast with me. The guy that yells, blessed are those who feast at the kingdom of God. Jesus goes, you got it, but you have to leave your table to come join my feast. You gotta come to my banquet. I've given you the invitation. I've told you it was coming. I've made myself available. The banquet that you get to come and partake in is not stuff and things, it is actually me. So what will your response be? As I spent some time uh, just working on this, I started thinking about all of the different people here at our church that have left the table that was set for them to engage in the kingdom table that Jesus has invited them to. And I'm just blown away by what I see. Here's a couple, right? I'll just use first names. I think of Peter and Sally who left the table of retirement to instead lead the 50s plus group here at our church and that has now adopted every one of our Northview schools to help provide food on the weekends for kids that don't have enough. I think about my friend Jim, who left the American dream, a career that could be all about him and setting up for a cushy retirement so he can end on the top. And instead, he sacrificed that. He left that table and instead invested in the kingdom of God by investing in young people as missionaries who were sent all over the world. He did it for his life. I think about my friends Ani and Brittany who sacrificed comfort to instead invest in relationships with young moms here in our church and in our community, and they're making a giant difference in the kingdom of God generationally. I think of my friend Jerry, who instead of attending this church, just showing up, consuming and leaving, he, he volunteers his time more than just about anybody I know because his role and what he's able to do allows hundreds of other people here in our church, in our community, and what we're learning is farther and farther away, they can actually engage in our church. I am my friend Paul who has left the table of productivity and competition in the business world to devote a day a week to investing in the kingdom of God in whatever capacity and opportunity God provides. I think about my friend Canaan, who left the table of addiction to instead pursue a calling in ministry. This last one, I think of my friend Haley, who instead of maintaining the, maintaining the image that she had to her friends, she sacrificed that she boldly declared her relationship with Jesus so that they might also have the opportunity to come to know Jesus as she does. You know who actually tasted the kingdom of God the day that Jesus told this parable? It's the guy was swelling. The sick, broken, lonely, hurting man that was being used. He was the one that experienced Jesus. Charlie asked you, what's, what's the table you're sitting at right now? Here's the question I have for you. What's the table that God's inviting you to? I'll bet you know it. And if you don't, what an awesome opportunity 
to explore that in the next season? What is the table that God is inviting you to? The table that's full of himself, that's full of purpose and significance. The table that's full of, of forgiveness and love. The table that's full of an eternal impact. If you will leave your table and move over to his table, it will change your life forever just like it changed the man's life forever who was hurting and sick and broken sitting at that table. What table is God inviting you to? As we close our time today, I, I've spent a lot of time on this table. There's also another table. This is the table that Jesus invites all of us to. And on the night that Jesus was betrayed, the night that he was turned over and he was handcuffed and he was walked away and he knew he was going to the cross to be nailed to it, to sacrifice and lay down his life for our benefit so that we might have a relationship with him. On that night that Jesus was betrayed and handed over, he was with his disciples, he was in the upper room and he looked at all of them and he said, hey, I want your attention. I have something I need to tell you. And all eyes turn on Jesus and everybody gets quiet and he picked up the bread just like this. He goes, you see this? You see this bread? And he broke it in front of all of them, just like that. And he goes, this is my body which is broken for you. When you eat this, I want you to remember me. It's the invitation to the feast of himself. And it says, in the same way, he came over and he took the cup and he took the wine and he poured it out just like that. He goes, you see how I, how I poured that out? In the same way, this is my blood, which has been poured out for you. As he thought about the cross, knowing his blood would drip down his arms, that it would run down his side, as he lays down his life for us. He said, when you drink that, remember me. And the disciples took communion together that night. It's the same invitation that we're going to do together today. So as a reminder, to partake in Jesus' table requires us to leave our own. Before you get up and move, here's that final question I have for you. It's what table do you need to leave? The table's been set. We have communion stations all the way around the worship center. If you're watching online, grab some crackers and juice or whatever you have handy and join in with us. Please be a part of this with us. Uh, as we take communion, uh, I'm going to pray for us, but then you can go take it whenever you want. So move up whenever you're ready. Answer the question, what am I going to leave? What table am I leaving behind? And then go up and partake in Jesus. Allow him to be the feast that we walk away with today full. So let's pray. And then we'll do that together. God, we just come before you right now. And God, what I pray is that this message is not one that hits with guilt and shame and highlights the brokenness in our lives. But God, I, I do pray that you highlight the hunger that is deeply buried within each one of our hearts and souls. And it's a hunger that can only be satisfied by you. So Jesus, as we 
look at our lives right now, as we look at what we walked in with today or the status of our relationships or our relationship with work or our desire for money or wealth or independence or longing for entertainment or things that numb the pain, as we look at all of these things, Lord, what I ask for right now is that you would highlight what are the things that we've been indulging in that lead nowhere. And I pray, Lord, that we would hear your invitation right now to leave that table to get up, to move towards you, to engage with you, to remember you and the sacrifice that you made, to allow a relationship with you to mark us and to change us for the rest of our lives. Jesus, draw us to you. So that's what we pray. We pray that you'd meet us as we do what you've called your disciples to do, to engage in communion, to remember the sacrifice that you made for us on the cross for defeating death, for conquering the grave so we might have a relationship with you now and forever. Jesus, it is in your name that we pray and all God's people said together, amen. So whenever you're ready in this next song, feel free to stand up. You can take communion whenever you want at your seat and then we'll keep worshiping together. Hey, thanks for watching this video. We hope you enjoyed it. Hope it made an impact on your life somehow. And if it did, don't forget to like or subscribe or share it on social media with your friends as well. Uh, we always love seeing you. And remember that you can join us live every single Sunday. So hope to see you there.